The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. That's in your church Bibles on page 965. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Narshon, Narshon the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Matthan. Matthan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Why would you start a book which we think, us Christians, is one of the most important books ever written, a book that's been translated into hundreds of possibly thousands of different languages. Why would you start a book 
that you want to change all of history with, with a list of names that has all the drama of a phone directory. <laughs> Why would you do that? Have you ever wondered? That's what we just heard. David read it really well. He read it as excitingly as he could. <laughs> exactly. But it was a list of names, wasn't it? A list of names. A record of the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David. John's gospel, I think, starts a bit better. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There's a bit of mystery there, isn't there? That's the reading that we use at Christmas Eve on the midnight mass, because it has some mystery in it. We never use this one, because at that time of night, well, you could guess what might happen. Why start with a list of names? I have to be honest, often when I get to Matthew's gospel, I jump straight to verse 18. It says there, the account of how the birth of Jesus Christ occurred. That's where we want to jump to. We skip the names. But this morning, this morning we're going to look at these names, this list of names. Because we believe this book is a gift to us. And sometimes it needs a little bit of unpacking, but it is a gift. So we're not doing any skipping or jumping we're going to walk carefully through these verses. And what we need to remember as we start to think about this is that at the time that these words were written, there was a whole different dynasty on the throne in Israel. If you've watched Game of Thrones and all the changes of who's in charge and who's in control, it was a bit like that in Israel at the time. And the person on the throne was just as cruel as some of those Game of Thrones characters. The character Herod the big bad Herod who chases all of the innocents and kills them as he tries to wipe out any, any threat from Jesus. Herod the Great, who was called the Great because he built great big things, Herod the Great was a warlord, an opportunistic military leader who convinced the Roman emperors that he was the best person for them to put in charge to keep peace in that part of the Middle East. He came from Idumea, south of where the majority of Israel is. And just as in Samaria to the north, the people in the south had, had mixed with other races. And so Herod had no real claim through his genealogy to the throne. In the light of this, the pedigree of Jesus is a pure pedigree, quite the opposite of the pedigree of Herod. We know that Herod was not such a great guy, neither were his sons. Herod Antipas, his son, was the one who had John the Baptist's head chopped off because John had the temerity to criticize him for marrying his brother's wife. Herod and his clan were not the kings who God wanted to be in charge of his people. So this list... This list, we shouldn't think of as a boring collection of names. This list is like a procession, like the Lord Mayor's procession. There are these people coming down the road like a band playing instruments or marching soldiers. These characters from the Old Testament march before us into this place where Jesus in the golden carriage comes at the end, the one who is to come. Or perhaps another picture, it's like the start of an opera when all the orchestra get together and they play the prelude that gives us all the themes and the, uh, and the, and the ideas that are going to come into the tunes later on in that opera. 
They give us all the themes that God's going to weave into this symphony that's going to play out through Jesus. Themes of compassion and justice and mercy. All those things that we want in our world. So are we a bit more excited now about these verses? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes. Let's look a bit more closely at the list. The first thing about this list is it is a list that puts us into history. It shows us this is not a novel or a fairy tale. It happened. Jesus had ancestors, and those ancestors were real people. He was a real person who came from a line of real people. And at this point, we're at a point where the whole of Jewish history is about to turn. And Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. At the beginning of the list, God reveals himself to one man. Now, God reveals himself as one man. He reveals himself to Abraham at the beginning. Now he comes as Jesus to reveal who he is to us. This is the framework in which we read these verses and the verses that follow all through Matthew's gospel. Jesus was a Jew. He lived and worked and preached in Jewish territory with and for and to mainly Jewish people. He shares this particular history and he can never be removed from it. He's part of the unfolding history that we see God's promises being laid out before us and then fulfilled, coming back together in one person. And Matthew is trying to make clear that this is who Jesus is. It's generally thought that Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience. Jewish readers would have read this and some of them would have traced their ancestry back to King David. Not many of them could have traced their ancestry back to the kings that followed, even fewer would have made that claim. But here is Jesus, who is the son of Abraham. The Abraham who was blessed, that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. How will all the nations be blessed? Through Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the son of David, Israel's greatest king. And it says that his descendant will rule all the nations forever. How could that happen? How could one person rule forever? Well, Jesus is alive and he goes on ruling, ruling forever. This is how it will happen. Who is Jesus? He's the hope of those returning from exile who makes a path for us to come back home because he is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the person who is born of this line who is the culmination of God's plan to restore and rescue his creation. This is what makes the Christian faith so different from any other faith because this tells us that God came to us. All other religions are about people reaching out to find God. But in Jesus, God comes down to us. He's Emmanuel, God with us, the God who is born for us. And God is totally committed to this. The father sends the son, not as a prince in a palace, but into the family of a laborer who will soon become a refugee because only his total immersion in our humanity 
would allow Jesus to take on our sin and set us free by his perfect sacrifice made once for all. In our Bibles, if you look at that list of names, they're broken into three uh, sections. And at the end, it says there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, and 14 from the exile to uh, the time of Jesus. And we know that seven was a particularly important number for the Jewish people. There are seven days of creation In Jewish culture, slaves and debts. Slaves were made free and debts were cancelled every seven years. So seven is this important number. And Jesus comes, three fourteens are six sevens, aren't they? Jesus comes as the firstborn of the seventh seven. The firstborn of the seventh seven. That can never happen again. That can only happen once in history. Jesus comes. The perfect plan is made real amongst us in and through Jesus. So who are these ancestors? Well, there's Abraham, the father of the chosen people who's called by God, blessed to be a blessing, who the promised land is promised to. And Abraham is the father of Isaac, whose life Abraham trusts with God, he takes him up a mountain, is prepared to make a sacrifice. But God saves Isaac, who has two sons, Esau and Jacob. And the twins, those two sons, they don't get on very well. Let's be real about this. These families at the start of this story of the chosen people are the reason, or you could say, The example of why dysfunctional and family are two words that often go together. These are not model families. This is raw reality. In these first three generations, out of Isaac comes Jacob, who inherits the blessing but then tricks his brother. Out of these three generations, there are liars, cheats, and con men. But there are also men and women who hear God's call and follow his ways. So this list, if you want to look at it, is, and it, it, it contains the best examples of heroes of faith and also the worst examples of failure. Failures and conquerors. Those who worshipped idols and those who turned our whole people back towards God. You have the greatest extent of the kingdom of Israel in David, the king who had a heart, who longed for God. You have Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And those are the markers of greatness. But then you have the return from the exile when the people of God's hearts had hardened, a marker of humiliation and loss. And then there are the women that Matthew mentions. Just want to spend a moment thinking about these, these women. First is Tamar who pretended to be a prostitute so that she could get pregnant by her father-in-law. The next is Rahab, who definitely was a prostitute and hid the spies in Jericho. The third is Ruth, who looked after Naomi, and she didn't come on a boat, but she was a migrant worker who reached Israel. And then there's Solomon's mother, who was seduced by King David when she was still married to Uriah. Why include these women? 
because Matthew wants to be realistic about the human condition. This is the material that God is happy to work with. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be holy. You don't have to be perfect to be part of God's plan. All of us are invited. All of us are invited. God's plan will not be frustrated by the worst of our failures. These names put Jesus at a point in history, a point with a specific place within a specific people to fulfill God's purposes. His promises down through two millennia are finally fulfilled, come together in Jesus. But this is also a God who chooses to work through unexpected people like Rahab or Ruth or Mary, the young virgin who bears his son. So what does this mean for us here today in South Sea? Well, this lineage, these names, are part of our story too. Because we, if we choose to trust and believe in Jesus, are adopted into his family. That's why at the baptism, we welcomed George into the family of faith. George is now part of this family, this family of faith who trace, their, who trace, we trace our lineage right back to Abraham through all of those unexpected, ordinary people. At the start to the letter to the church in Ephesus, it's written, in love, he chose us, that's the people who follow Jesus, to be God's own adopted children. That's a special place to be, isn't it? Adopted by God. On Friday here we had the funeral of a wonderful lady who adopted five children into her family. And those children came to bear witness to the love that they'd experienced. Family history matters to us, doesn't it? There are plenty of ancestry websites I found uh, a, a little thing on the internet, 25 free ancestry websites, 25 free ones you can go and visit. And we have DNA profiling now. I haven't had that done yet. I think I quite like it done, where you can work out where your genetic heritage comes from. I'm not sure what you have to send off, but, um, but I can't wait to get that done, find out where I'm from, because it's important where we come from, isn't it? We see those programs on the telly, who do you think you are? It's important to us and it's important to those around us because it helps us to understand who we are and define who we are. These names, this heritage is now our heritage because of Jesus. Names are important. Again, George is a name that was important to choose for Carly and for Jordan and Luke as well. Important names. These names are part of our heritage. And our adoption into this line means that this story of these names is our story as well. It's the story of the God who came to be with us, whose plan to rescue and restore could not be thwarted no matter how many wrong turns those people took. It's the story who sent his son, of the God who sent his son, so that we might be his children too, adopted into his family. 
Yesterday, as Deb said, we had a quiet morning, a quiet Advent, quiet morning in the garden room. And uh, I came and helped Deb set up. And before the meeting started, I got the tea and the coffee on the trolley and brought it through. And there was a table with some biscuits on. And people turned up and our daughter, Millie, turned up. And she looked at the trolley and she doesn't like tea and coffee. And she said, Dad, is there any squash? Now, I love all of the people here because that's part of my job description. I'm called to love all of you. And I do love all of you. And I would have gotten all of you a, jar, a, a, a jug of squash if you'd asked me to. But because it was Millie, my daughter, who asked me, it seemed a bit easier to get that squash. Because Millie has a special place in my heart. And I would do pretty much anything for our Millie and our Rachel and our Robbie. Because they're my children. God loves everyone in this world and he longs for everyone to know his love but God has a special place in his heart for his children. Sometimes we forget that but we are adopted into his family. We are his children. If we take away anything from this morning and this lovely long list of names let's remember that we're now part of this story. Part of God's plans part of God's purposes, and we own his promises. Promises of peace and love and mercy and grace. Promises that we need to hold on to. This story is our story. We are part of this story, the whole story, from Abraham through David, down through Zerubbabel and all the other brilliant names. Because Jesus came and died for us so that we might become God's children. Amen. Would you please stand and I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to have our final song. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the grace and truth of Jesus who stepped into the world to set us free, to call us home, to adopt us into your family. Help us, each one of us, to be sure of your love, to know your goodness in our lives and your peace in our hearts. This Advent, help us to journey with you, to listen to the tune of your love that plays on across our universe as we get ready to celebrate your birth this Christmas. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.